Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. And it's Script Shop Show, everyone. Hi there. Script Shop Show. Script Shop Show. It's a podcast. It's a yeah, script shop show. It's script shop show. <laughs> this is uh, this is our podcast. Hi, I'm Jack, and I'm Allison, and uh, we are here to talk about scripts and scripts and screenplays and movies and whatever ancillary things come up over the course of our conversation. Yeah, because when we have these people on here, we want to know everything about them. Yes, and their scripts. And so you get into the deep, dark, weird, <laughs> funny depths of conversation with people. And that's what we love to do here on this show. Yeah, that's one of our favorite parts. That's sort of what this is all about. So thank you for uh, thank you for listening. And thanks today to our guest, who is uh, Josh Hope, who's written a script called The Sad Bastard Club of Dakota, Oklahoma. Dakota. Excuse me, Dakota, Oklahoma. Yeah, Dakota. And also, um, for everybody listening, Jack just said the word bastard. Yeah. So... I know that I usually break the we don't curse on this show rule pretty easily, but it's just going to happen in this episode because that's actually the name of the script, The Sad Bastard Club of Tacoma, Oklahoma. So we're going to be saying bastard a lot today. As much as we can. <laughs> uh, like you said, written by Josh Hope with co-writers. TJ Treese and Seth Leslie. Mm-hmm. This is a 94-page narrative feature. Um, it's basically a wonderful one-night uh, time capsule type flash, I guess not a flashback, but... Well, it I- starts out as a flashback. It's these three dudes that are trying to sort of recapture their wild childhood and uh, relive their teen years. As mid-30-year-old men. Right. Right. And, and who it's doesn't good. want to do that? And speaking <laughs> as somebody who's in their mid-30s right now, uh, actually, I, I wouldn't mind. There's There are some few teenage moments I wouldn't mind going back and revisiting or trying to do better maybe hmm. but it's well, not time traveler well, i mean that's the point of the script too because right. they're like let's get it back yeah yeah um, they're trying to recapture it mm-hmm. lightning in a bottle again mm. what kind of things would you do again if you were 17 i would i would try to do more things because when i was in my teenage years there were a lot of things that i didn't do that i'm fraught with regret over like what yeah, just you know Talking to people or, you know, asking out girls or, That's you know. That's where I thought this was going. Yeah, of course. And, like, just doing things. As, I, I was the play it safe kid a lot, when I, especially in high school. You didn't touch en- enough boobs? <laughs> so the Sad Bastard Club, <laughs> you know, we already said we have rules about this, the way the show's formatted. We're going to have Josh up on the show. Uh, we need to take a little care of business first as far as our online presence. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Script Shop Show. Please check us out. And we're also on iTunes. Yes, iTunes. So if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do it there. You can also do it through SoundCloud, Google Play, mm-hmm. Stitcher, and then get episodes directly from our website, www.scriptshopshow.com. And we would love it if you were to get onto iTunes and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Tell us what you think because we need to sort of, now, now that we're actually putting these things out into the wild, we need to get reaction from folks to find out if we should be doing more of the same or change it up. Yeah. We're interested in your feedback. We love hearing it. So please make some time and uh, send us a message. And if you're interested in being on the show, you can go to our website, www.scriptshopshow.com, and send us your script. 
We love scripts. We love writers. We love you. Mm. Send us your work because we're ready for it. Yes. So uh, that being said, I guess it's it's guest time, right? Yeah. Da 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 da. We we got away from doing your little trumpet voice intro that I I like it when you do that. Which one is it? You just go da 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 da. Anyway, let's bring Josh up on. Josh is in Arizona. Josh Hope. Hi. How are you? Hey guys. How are you? Doing fine, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, Josh, you've written a script called The Sad Bastard Club of Tacoma, Oklahoma. Uh, you've written some other things that have been produced and whatnot. Is this in keeping with some of your other work, or is your stuff sort of in different topics and genres and everything else? I mean, my stuff is a little across the board, but for the most part, it kind of all uh, stems from that character-driven, um, you know, try to write really honest characters, mainly characters that are flawed and a lot of times from, you know, they're at uh, rock bottom in their lives, really attracts really attracted to to characters that really just don't have a whole lot left in their life for some reason. I'm not sure why. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's exactly the next question I'm going to ask you. Your script is called The Sad Bastard Club. You just told us that you like writing about characters who have been to rock bottom and don't have that much left. So, I mean, why do you do that? I I don't know. I think, you know, whenever you're trying to write and you're trying to figure it out, I think... um, you just write what comes out. And, uh, you know, for me, I've definitely been in some spots in my life that haven't been great. And I think that's sort of fueled my scripts and, and really just, you know, in other movies that I've watched as well, movies that I love, I'm always attracted to characters like that. You know, I think as people, as humans, we're very flawed. And I really, you know, I've never really liked those stories where people have their lives together and they have these great jobs. I, you know, I don't know. I don't really relate to that. And I don't know a whole lot of people like that. So I think there's something about these scripts that, um, you know, doing it like this way is a little bit better for me. Um, you mean just like in terms of being a part of your own life or witnessing other people's lives, you can see how people can be so complex? Uh, yeah. You know, I think, you know, there's something about to me that somebody who, you know, that is, I don't know why, something about them being at rock bottom just really intrigues me. You know, because I, I think there's a lot of spots that people can relate to. Maybe not necessarily that they've been at rock bottom. But something about that, I think that everybody can relate to somebody whose life is not going the way that they want it to. Yeah, you know, for the record, I, I can't stand it when people have their lives together either. It really, <laughs> I well, really, I mean, especially, especially when you see like these Hollywood movies. It's like these people always work at really nice advertising agencies, right. or they have these like great jobs and these wonderful apartments. And I think a lot of times that doesn't really ring true for for most people, especially. You know, younger people in their twenties and thirties when they're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, for sure. It 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 it, it makes me nuts when, you, like you said, you've got somebody that on a show or a movie that they work some job that they really don't go to all that often, and they live in a huge place that that that's insanely annoying. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so you're you were born in Oklahoma then too, right? I, well, actually, I was born just across the border in a little town called Kiowa, Kansas. Mm. But I grew up um, pretty much my entire childhood in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so let's see, that's like childhood and high school years. And then after high school, where did you go from there? I went to Oklahoma State University, uh, studied journalism there. And that, uh, that got me going in sort of the, the entertainment field. I started off working in radio and TV news, did a lot of radio sideline reporting for like high school football. And, oh, nice. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, it was it was nice for a minute, but then... You know, after a while, when you're interviewing high school football players, you really start to realize, you know, 
where has your life gone wrong? <laughs> How many times did like Josh have to, not Josh, but like Kevin bring up his algebra homework that he had to get to because the game was ran, going too long? You know, and it was always these, you know, and that, it's, I, I followed that curse as well as a high school football player. We always had these staple answers about how we come together as a team and eventually thank Jesus for, for this epic win. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, after a while, it's like, I need a little bit more. So I started searching out and um, I got to, I applied for this uh, internship with Universal Television, and that actually got me a job with the Jerry Springer Show. That was my first ever entertainment job. Oh, no kidding. You know, Cincinnati guy, Jerry Springer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the pride of Cincinnati, I believe. I mean, he's a, I like Jerry Springer. He's got a fun history. He's a nice guy. I've met him a couple times at some uh, fundraisers, some political fundraisers in Ohio a few years back, yeah. and super Jerry, nice dude. Jerry's a, yeah, he's a fantastic guy. He's like, you know, He's exactly what you'd expect, you know, from a former politician. Very warm, you know, can embrace, you know, anybody. And I think whenever you talk to him, it sort of feels like he's an old friend, even though obviously you don't really know him at all. Right. Well, that's cool. What did you do for his show? Um, I started off as an intern, so I did a little bit of everything from, you know, doing ticket sales and helping uh, helping get things set up for, for the shows, which would be, you know, bringing in the guests and a lot of times even getting them dressed and putting their stupid clothes on them. and <laughs> Their stupid Wait, clothes? What are you talking about? You had to dress other adults? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very much a babysitting job. But adult sitting? Like, because these are grown-ups. <laughs> exactly. And I think maybe, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, you've probably seen a few of the guests that have been on there. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, I live and breathe. It's entertaining. But I... I'll say that. Yeah, geez. How long did you work on the show? I worked there for two seasons. Once as a... The first season as an intern, and then I worked up to production assistant. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you were like, "Okay, time for something new." Well, I mean, it was it was good because it was my first entertainment job, so I got I got to see you know how an actual TV show run you know ran, and got to learn a lot about it. So that led to other jobs, mainly in reality TV. I worked for um, American Idol and The Biggest Loser, and a bunch of other reality shows like that, and a bunch of commercial work. So you know, I was thankful for that, even though I wasn't exactly thrilled about you know what we were putting out into the world i did i did learn a lot right so as like a young person you're getting a really pretty good basis of what the entertainment industry is like and how to go about it and kind of navigate some of the ins and outs of it exactly when did you start thinking that you wanted to start writing things when when did the writing part kick in for you uh well I've, i've written things you know off and on since i was you know six or seven years old most Aww. most of the early stuff was just, you know, I did it for fun. I didn't even think of it as a possible career. And I really didn't even show anybody my early work. And it wasn't until, I don't know, probably college when I, I think I wrote my first official screenplay. And then, then I kind of snowballed from there. Okay, but so but when you're like when you're working on Springer, like are you jotting down ideas? You're just sort of constantly trying to develop stuff? Always, yeah, I'm always writing, always thinking about stuff. And a lot of times it's just, you know, I may meet a person or, you know, a character and I have them in mind and they may, even though I'm not really writing that person in particular, I may use their, you know, their mannerisms or the way they talk about stuff and develop that into a future character for a script. Yeah, it's like being a shark, right? You always got to kind of keep moving and looking for new stuff just to find inspiration in. Sharks go around looking for inspiration. Well, they have to constantly keep (laughs) swimming. That's the metaphor there. (laughs) 
Yeah, and I, I like to you know I like to buy girls that are swimming in the ocean. So mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> See, Josh gets it. <clears throat> so I'm with you, Jack. Thank you. <laughs> so you worked a couple of uh, entertainment jobs, and then what I'm looking for here is like the flip from working for other people to kind of working for yourself. Yeah. Well, while I was doing uh, doing all these miscellaneous jobs, I did work on a few independent films. And I think that's when it really clicked when I was like, wow, I'd like to, you know, try to do this myself and started making short films, started writing short films. And that's, uh, I think that's where it clicked where this is, this is what I want to do and I want to keep doing it. Did the connections that you made when you were working in television, doing Springer, doing reality TV, did the, the connections and networking, the relationships that you developed with people there help when it came time to start producing stuff? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And there's, there's people that I worked with you know, on some of these shows that I still talk to and I still work with from time to time. That's um, cool. So it was definitely, definitely a lot of that helps um, help move, you know, all these past projects forward. So this current project that we have you on here to talk about today, the <clears throat> Sad Bastard Club, did this come from, like we were describing it, it's a bunch of guys in their 30s that are trying to relive their wild teen youth. Did this come from anything specific in your life? Um, I wouldn't say it come, came from anything specific. Uh, the, the three guys are definitely written after, you know, TJ, Seth, and I. We never had this night together. None of this stuff ever really happened. But the characters themselves, I try to write them with with us in mind and how, you know, how we would say certain things and how we would do certain things. Um, so, But this exact, you know, this night didn't really happen. But it, I was intrigued by the idea of, you know, trying to trying to relive those old days. I think every time I go home, go back home, I see old friends and, you know, we'll go out to the local pub or go do whatever. And it always comes out, you know, we start talking about these old days and you start hearing about people's regrets and start hearing about things they wish they could change. And it always ends up being this, you know, what if kind of night. Yeah. It'd be interesting to try to try to write that. So we had, uh, you know, Corbin Salikin, right? I do. Yeah. We had him on for a previous show and he talked about his script Peach Fest and he was uh, there was it, it, it's sort of similar in that it's these teenage it's it's not a flashback it's teenagers mm-hmm. trying to have a really wild weekend in the summer but he was talking to us about how that was sort of drawn from very specific things uh, from his growing up except for it was the kind of thing where you're a kid and you want all these wild things to happen but it's also real life and not a lot of wild stuff does yeah well for me I had another film that came out a couple of years ago called The Life and Death of an Unhappily Married Man. And obviously you're seeing a theme of long titles for me, but uh, there, there was a scene in that film where the main character meets his old best friend and they sort of have one of these nights. <clears throat> but in that film, we didn't really get to go into that and I didn't get to go into the consequences of what happens whenever you do try to try to live one of these nights. So that's was part of the inspiration for this one is I, I wanted to show this night, but also give a glimpse of, you know, that's not possible there's going to be consequences the next morning. Right, because you end up growing up and you have responsibilities and things that you can't just shake off. Well, and I, I think, though, to a certain, in this script, I mean, these guys are a little bit consequence-free, right? I mean, they're, mm. there's a, they're, the police get involved in this script. Yeah, but they know this guy from high school. Well, that's true. Man. That's true. They're making fun of him the that's whole script. Right. Yeah, and the cop is, and, you know, that is something that's sort of real in our lives. You know, we do have a couple cops that we know that are kind of like this, like guys in high school that were, 
you know, for lack of a better term, total douchebags. <laughs> and they've grown up now and they have this like a little bit of power in these small towns and they love flaunting it and they love using it. Ugh. So that was kind of fun trying to write a guy like that. Yeah, especially if you if you can base that on, on reality. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's interesting too because um, this script and then also Life and Death, we have this main, or I guess there's not really a main character in this one, but... You have these guys who it's kind of when they go back to their roots, to their hometowns, to connecting with some of their homegrown friends, that some of these realizations come out. Uh, does that happen for you in real life where you go back to visit Oklahoma from wherever you may be at the, at the time and just reconnect with people differently there? Yeah, I think so. And it's, it's, it's funny now when you go back and, you know, some of these guys that I was super close with and, I, you know, I still consider them really good friends, but... You know, after a night, you really see how far we've grown apart from each other, yeah. you know, just from our experiences and what we've gone through. Um, so I, I always find that fascinating as well. And, but, the, you know, there definitely are people who continue to think of these moments of high school as the best moments of their life. And maybe it is the best moments of their life, which is, you know, somewhat sad to think about. But I do find that fascinating. And, you know, just just the whole the concept of somebody who, you know, could be in their 20s and 30s and they have this family and they have this job, but still, like, these moments in high school were their, their best shining moments of their life. Ugh. So that, of course, we're talking about the Travis character because he he ends up having a family. And my question is, um, how do your friends feel, you know, having these characters written about them in this way? Because the Travis character isn't really that... he's not He doesn't have a connection with his family in the beginning, although ultimately you see that there is a heartbeat there, but he's one of those guys who feels like he's sort of stuck in a rut. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and like I said, Travis isn't, you know, it's not a real guy. It's not anything that's really happened. I mean, I did use, you know, certain people in my life to think of like, what would they say in these certain situations and what would they do? But he's, you know, Travis is sort of a general character of a lot of different guys that I know, but you know, that are that way that they've, they have this family and they may be, you know, working on a job that they don't necessarily dig. And they're trying to figure out, you know, where did it all go wrong for me? Even though if they really took a look at their life, you know, this, the Matt character, you know, who's a single guy, has no kids, has no, no wife or anything. He looks at that and he's like, you have everything. Right. So it's, it's just, it's interesting how different people see their, their lives. Yeah. I mean, it's like heartbreaking and beautiful and just kind of how life is all at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, that was the goal with it to, to show, to have this, you know, I like the concept of having it all contained in one night. Yeah. You know, so you, you, you introduce these guys and you quickly get the, the story rolling and hopefully, you know, the scenes run right into each other where, you know, after, after, you know, at the 90 minutes is up and you've seen a whole night of these guys together. Yeah, you know, this was a very quick read. This was one of the, I mean, for for a 94-page script, we just, you were nice enough to come on the show with us uh, for our taping today. Yeah, last minute, so a, thank you. As a last minute thing, which you really appreciate, but that meant reading this script like last night for me. And Jack started at 10 after he got off of work. But it just, it, oh, read, wow. <laughs> it read super quick. Like, I thought, oh, geez, I got 90 pages I got to read, and that's going to be like an hour and a half. But, I mean, I was able to get through it. It wasn't, it wasn't like a challenge. It was a fun, quick read last night. Uh, well, thanks. I appreciate that. And, that, you know, definitely that's definitely a goal of mine as a writer, you know, especially in these kind of stories. And I think if you've seen my other films, see it, it's sort of developing my voice and developing my style is 
having these scenes that all just continue to run into each other. And once that ball is rolling, you know, hopefully the audience is on board and it'll just, you know, it goes by so quickly because you're right in there with them. Does it get into a vibe where at some point it feels like it's sort of right in itself? A little bit, yeah, because I definitely, you know, sometimes I don't always have the end in mind, but once you start rolling and get these characters together, um, you know, it does sort of snowball. And sometimes I feel like I can't, you know, type or write fast enough to keep up with the, the thoughts in my head. Mm, that's cute. That's cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's jump into the script a little bit. We've talked about some of the general themes, but of course, in order to really talk about it, um, people mm. should get in touch with you to access your script, which will not be available on our website. Um, and we're going to just take a quick little pause to talk about that for a second. So on Script Shop Show, we generally will ask writers to put their words up online for about two weeks. It gives our listeners the opportunity to really dive in, read their words, um, get in touch with them if they want, and, and actually know what the heck we're talking about on the yeah. show. But Josh, for you, this script is unproduced, as many of our works are, and really not available to our listeners because you're currently working on other projects in Los Angeles, which shall go unnamed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's correct. I, you know, and I do apologize if, if anybody, you know, must read it, they, you know, obviously can reach out and, you know, we can talk about it. Um, I, you know, for me, whenever they are unproduced and, and, and it's also for me, it's like these things as a script, I'm continuing to write this thing and I'll continue to write it all the way up until it's filmed. So it's a, it's a, it's evolving, I think the main story is there, obviously, but continue to, to tune up things and, and, and change little things and keep trying to make it better. So for me, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an ever-evolving beast, and I like to kind of keep it hidden away until we start filming. And, you know, another thing, too, um, which I just said we're going to jump into the script, but this is also just such great information for anybody who is in, in a position you used to be in. But, you know, you worked in entertainment. You made a couple of short films. You made a feature film, and all of a sudden, you know, your next project is getting bigger talks and getting bigger involvement. And that process is kind of interesting because you have done the self-startery thing where you went from producing your own work to getting that flipped. So when did that change happen for you? I mean, I think it changed after after life and death. You know, I made a, I made five or six short films, and then we made our first feature film, Wild Blue, which was tiny, a tiny little $7,000 film. And it was basically just to show that we could tell a story. And so we, and we were able to, and we did that, and it was successful, and we were able to, to use that to catapult to life and, life and Death of an Unhappily Married Man, which is a little bit bigger bigger film. Um, obviously still pretty small in the scope of, of movies. I think after that, after that came out, you know, now it's been released. It's on iTunes, Amazon, Xbox, PlayStation, oh, nice. all those different streaming devices. Now, so I think now that people see that we we can actually create something and then have a nice polished project and, and get it out there, then I think people, other producers and stuff, see that and they respect that and they want to. They're more willing to to listen to you. Whether you know if you're coming in with nothing to show, it's a little harder for them to be like okay we'll trust you to to make this film yeah here's a check yeah exactly so it it was with life and death you know i think we proved ourselves and uh it opened a lot of doors for us who who do you mean when you say we well you know me and my team you know the people i work with and i tend to work with a lot of the same actors and crew over and over again so you know and i think when you're making a film it's definitely a a team project you know even though i'll have my name stamp on there as a joshua film or whatever um, obviously, if you don't have a good cast and crew, your film is not going to be any good. 
So I always kind of, I see it that way as a we and I consider it, you know, as a team effort. So I think that's why I talk about it like that. And, um, okay. So we'll jump into the script now. So we have a log line, listeners, of the script. We've got it. We say three former high school friends reunite for one night in an attempt to escape their failing relationships and relive their old glory days. Glory days. Oh, yeah. Is that Bruce Springsteen? Yeah. Yeah. I've been listening to a lot of Bruce Springsteen, (laughs) Pandora radio the last couple weeks. Yeah. Okay. Well, glory days should be popping up on there. Yeah. Uh, Josh, can you, like, set tone, setting, year, kind of you know, induce us all into the world here, if you will. Yes. Sure. Uh, so at this, in this particular scene, the three guys have been kind of getting into some shenanigans and they've had a run in with the local policeman and they've had to separate. So they've, they've lost their friend, Andy. And uh, two of the guys have been, uh, they've went and found their old, uh, the old high school, you know, prom queen, sweetheart, Jessica to help them find Andy. Jessica Henderson. I think first and last name is very important there. Yes, Jessica Henderson, exactly. <laughs> right. And listeners, we're going to read a portion of the script. I, the debutante from Farmersville, Texas, mm. will be reading the part of Jessica Henderson in her mid-30s. Um, Jack's going to be playing Travis and Frank. Oop. Frank, um, i got to turn your mic on. Hang on. There you, you know. go. There you go. There's Frank, everybody. There's Frank, everybody's favorite guy, little Frank. <laughs> I think that just negated everything. Frank the tank. There we go. Yeah, we need like a chant, not everybody's little guy. <laughs> weird yeah. jingle was, was that. kind of a terrible intro, Allison. <laughs> Frank's a man with dignity. He's got a family. What's the matter with you? Uh, I mean, we've never met his wife. Yeah, I know. His <laughs> wife just got back from, from France. France. Yeah. Well, anyway, we need to, uh, yeah, so the, uh, Frank's going to be playing the role of Mac, who right. is the sort of uh, single actor mm. type who's come back town in, into town to hang out with his old buddies. Okay, so um, Josh is going to be reading our stage directions, and Josh, whenever you're ready, take it away. All right, interior, Jessica Henderson's car, night. Jessica drives her car down a darkened street with Travis sitting in the passenger seat beside her. Mac rides in the back with his phone up to his ear as he looks out the window for any sign of Andy. Andy's still not answering his phone. So let me get this straight. You guys were creeping outside of Beth's house in the middle of the night, and you lost Andy after the cops started chasing you. Okay, first, we weren't creeping anywhere. Just going to give Travis a funny glance as he takes another gulp from the whiskey bottle. It's not like this is the first time I've snuck out with you guys. I'm well aware of your work. Plus, you're currently drinking from a very large bottle of whiskey, so there's that. <clears throat> Travis finishes his swig. We're just worried about our friend is all. The last thing he needs right now is to go to jail. Okay, but it's pretty weird that you came to my house for help. Why didn't you just call your wife? She doesn't exactly know where I am right now, and I'd like to keep it that way. Really nice, Travis. What? You haven't changed at all? Oh, come on. We all know how Maggie is. She's not exactly the most understanding person in the world. And I'm sure you have nothing to do with any of that. What's that supposed to mean? Uh, hello? It's not like you're the most reliable guy in the world. Seriously? You haven't discovered this about yourself yet? I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm very reliable. <laughs> okay. Mac, tell her I'm reliable. Mac, barely paying attention, answers from the backseat. Yeah, yeah, you're reliable. See? Oh, yeah, that means a lot coming from your enabling sidekick. I don't enable him. You guys always were quite the pair. 
doing stupid shit and relying on your charm to get you out of trouble. Are you saying these mean things because I had to negate my offer to take you to the prom? Oh, Jesus Christ! You know I wanted to go with you, but Maggie got pregnant <gasps> and demanded I take her instead. Dude, this has nothing to do with the prom. That was like 15 years ago. I mean, yeah, you did break the news to me very late in the game. I had to go with Jeff McKinley. He kept talking about his mom all night. It was really weird. Trust me, I didn't want to be there with Maggie either. Well, maybe you shouldn't have had sex with another girl and gotten her pregnant after you told me you loved me. It wasn't my fault. She tricked me. She tricked you into having sex. Yes! Jessica shakes her head in disbelief as she drives her car through the sleepy town. You're an idiot. Trust me, I know. And scene. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I love that Great scene. Great job, guys. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thanks, man. That's a fun scene. It, yeah, I think it is a fun scene. It does sort of give you a snippet of, you know, of this film and these three characters and hopefully, you know, about the, the writing and, and the way people speak in it. Right. So let me just do a couple of plot points for our listeners, um, because listeners, if you haven't read the script, you should email Josh and talk to him and tell him why you want to and that, you know, your life just wouldn't be complete without it. But if if you haven't gotten to and you're listening to this anyway, basically, we are in Oklahoma, a small town in Oklahoma, and our opening scene opens up on three friends, Mac, Andy and Travis. I'm going to say about 17 years old. Is that about right, Josh? That's about right. Yeah. OK, 17 years old. Literally having the time of their lives, like, drunkenly toasting each other in the middle of a a rompish party. Yeah, stupid idiot high school party stuff. Yeah. Um, Which, sadly, I never really got into. I didn't either. I've been so square. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I guess I got to go back. Um, (laughs) Anyway, the next scene we... Relive those old glory days. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least create some. We got a sequel ready for you. Uh, no, now I'm just going, like, what if there was a sequel where there were, isn't this a thing where, like, Drew Barrymore goes back to high school? Well, yeah, there's yeah, never, never been, been. Never been kissed. Never right. been kissed. This is taking a weird turn. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just let Frank take over while I cry in the studio. Okay. Frank, uh, tank. There we go. Uh, tank. <laughs> so, scene two, we have a flash forward. 17 years later, we're again being reintroduced to Mac, Andy, and Travis, we basically learn that Travis has a wife and kids and a drinking problem. He's not feeling totally connected to his family. Mac shows up in the town. I love this introduce this introduction to Mac because he's basically rolling and smoking a J in a back alley mm-hmm. and then starts mm-hmm. sobbing as a teenager jumps out of a window and is like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? Uh, um, yeah, I think that's one of my favorite uh, intros to a character. Yeah, that that's I've good. So it's beautiful. I mean, it, it comes out that he's got a little bit more going on, too. He's split up with his girlfriend. He's very much a wanderer. Um, and his girlfriend isn't just kind of a passing thing. They've been together for a, a bit of time. Um, Travis and Mac meet up. They go in search of Andy, where rumor has it his wife, Beth, has left him. And because they are great friends, they find themselves reunited and go out to find him. From there, these three sad bastards basically stumble into some of their old debauchery and then really, really embrace it. Um, I think it's Travis who says, let's do something fun for once in our lives. Of of course, you know, in the scene we just learned, or we just read, we learned that he got a girl pregnant in high school, which I'm sure quickly catapulted him into 
a life with boundaries and responsibilities and sure. not really being able to live out some of the dreams he might have had otherwise. Well, it yanks the rug out from under him, and, and that's and he's sort of the driving force in let's have a night, let's have a night. I mean, right, Josh Travis is, is sort of the, other than the fact that they're there to help out their buddy who just lost his wife, like Travis is the one that's sort of driving this wild night. Yeah, exactly. I think Travis, he catapults this, let's go check our friend into something much different. You know, I think any chance he has to escape his, his own personal life and his current life, he's all about. And uh, and just like the olden days, you know, the, he gets the guys to go with him. So talking about that opening scene where it's this wild teenage high school party, there's a keg, there's, I mean, it, it's, you know, every, what everybody can picture. I feel like you left it, the way you wrote it, there's a lot of opportunity for some really fun character stuff to establish, you know, the relationship between these guys, be funny, do wild stuff at a party. Are, was that on purpose? Yeah, that was on purpose. And I think that's one of the fun reasons. Whenever I write scripts, um, I write them to direct them. I don't I don't try to sell them or send them to Hollywood. I, you know, I'm, I don't have a lot of exploding robots or anything like that. So mm. I definitely have things in mind um, that I, you know, I necessarily don't write into the script on purpose. You know, so the day of when we're filming that, I think that sort of, it, it's fun to be spontaneous and let the actors do their thing, you know, and, and just throw different ideas their way. Okay, and, and so much of that, too, then leads to establishing chemistry between these three guys because the relationship between the three of them is really what a lot of this movie hinges on. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think um, with, with all my other films, I, I, you know, I try to write the characters and try to write the dialogue as honest and as realistic as possible. But whenever I do find a cast and, you know, and these guys take over these roles, I let them do pretty much whatever they want with them. As long as they, everybody knows where the story is going, you know, from point A to point B and, and, you know, everybody knows what, what's the driving force. I don't really care how they say things or, you know, what they say, as long as they make the characters their own and make them honest and make them, you know, as realistic as possible. Yeah. How, how much of the script shows up actually in the movie then typically for you? Cause if you're letting people improvise on set and you're totally cool with that, do they tend to stick more to your writing or is, you know, what do you think the it, percentages of? It depends. It depends on, on the, you know, the actor with life and death. And, you know, we had probably 20 different characters. We had one main guy, Tommy Beardmore, who, who was the lead and he had a big, uh, big background in improv. So, he, you know, he would definitely stick to the script, but then he would throw in things and, and say different things. And some actors, you, you know, they just, stuck to the script completely word word for word and they felt comfortable doing that and that was fine and there was other people who came in and they they took what what i wrote and they went off somewhere with it and sometimes it was great and sometimes it was terrible but, i mean overall i'd say i'd say you know 85 90 percent of what was written actually makes it in there but i do like to give you know some leeway to to try different things because sometimes you capture these really these really cool really unique uh, uh realistic moments that you know, even when I when I wrote it, I was like, oh, I didn't even think of that. So, I, I you know, I like I like to allow for those magical moments to happen. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's kind of a popular thing to be doing, especially in a comedy anymore. I mean, I feel like ever since Judd Apatow started doing stuff, you get, you know, there's all the, the really fun outtakes and different attempts at different lines and just letting some of these very talented comedic actors really riff on stuff and try to come up with the funniest thing that they can. Yeah, and I, you know, why wouldn't you do that if you have these these great actors at your disposal? It's like, let them let them try to make uh, the script even better, you know. Because in the end, 
if, if you know if it works out as a director writer it makes me look better so mm. I'm all yeah. about it. yeah that's true that's right but that's not a super common take from a writer right because I, I you know there are definitely other writers out there who hey look I'm taking the time to create this thing this is my baby and yeah I'm giving it up to you guys to produce but this is I want you to follow my words as much as I can as much as you can yeah I, I think most writers that I know um, don't want actors to come in and change their words you know I think they they wrote it a certain way and they want it a certain way. Um, just, just for me, you know, especially since, you know, I'm directing them, I can, I can still steer the ship, you know, I can make sure that everybody's still going on the right path, but I, I like, I like actors to, to try certain things and, um, you know, sometimes they'll steer it off the, the wrong path and I'll have to be like, Hey, we have to, you know, make sure we're talking about this. Cause that's, you know, a, a big plot point, but for the most part, you know, uh, you know, the actors get it. I do all my own casting for the most part too. So I can find yeah. actors who get what I'm trying to do because it's a big part of it. Um, but I, I, I like it, and I think it's um, it works with my style. So did this read today? Did that count as an audition for me? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Jack Jack was great. Oh, <laughs> Josh, you're such Bird, a sweetheart. Bird. Oh, yeah, so sweet. <laughs> Josh, you're the best guest we've had on this show. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard to top Sean Patrick Leonard, but, you know, I'm doing my best. Oh, throwback to SPL, who wrote Nasty. Yeah, our Nasty guy. And aired with our first round of episodes. So thank you, Sean Patrick Leonard. And thanks for the callback, Josh. He introed with, uh, you know, I think the, the, the theme song for for uh, WKRT in Cincinnati. Yeah, so I was a little right. worried. I was like, do I need to come up with a theme song here? Are <laughs> uh, there any other TV shows that were set in Cincinnati? He is pretty hard, know, hard to yeah. top there. There's, that's a lot of pressure on you as a guest. I get it. I know. Hey. Someone knock on our door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't top Sean. Uh, so one of the things that I love about the script, too, is how you were able to, to really distinguish the journeys for the three guys, Travis, Mac, and Andy. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you writing very distinctive positions in life for each of these three guys? Well, I knew, you know, whenever I, I, you know, I talked to the to TJ and Seth about the script, and um, for the most part, I kind of I kind of write the the script and the plot, and then I give it to them, and they they beef up some points or they have ideas and stuff like that. But we all knew early on that we wanted to have three different guys that are in three different stages of their lives, and none of them are happy. And they all come together. So, you know, I, we knew that Travis was going to have, um, he was going to be the family guy and had all the kids. And then uh, Andy is somebody who's like, you know, since Travis is still married and unhappy, we wanted a guy who was freshly divorced and unhappy. And then uh, Mac was our last piece trying to figure out what to do with him. And so we kind of wanted to have like a career, a career single guy you know, who's always been this bachelor. And, but he's unhappy because he's sort of, you know, envies what Travis has with his family and, and what uh, what Andy has with with his his family as well. I like the idea of the relationships with these guys. A lot of it b- between the three of them is sort of a grass is always greener thing, which is a very human feeling. Yeah, I think so. And it's it's funny because every time I talk to to people and like old friends and stuff, you know, they're they always seem like very envious of my life. And then I'm like, you have an awesome life. You have this beautiful life and these great kids, and you know, and you have this giant home. Yeah. So to me, it's like it's funny that we always sort of. You know, like you said, grass is always greener, and it is it's something that's very natural and very human. You know, it's an element of our that we just you know naturally do, I guess. Yeah. And each of the character arcs for these three guys too, I love this script because the three of them go through all these different events, 
But really, their development as characters, it doesn't hinge on these events. It really just funnels how they behave during mm, them. That's true. You know, so the journey of Travis, I love mm, I love how at the beginning, you know, he's really upset with his family. Nobody's paying attention. Right. He's instigating this whole night of debauchery, uh, including like a strip club. Mm. And there's some naked kids swimming in a pool. There's a lot of beer and weed. There's um, there's some shenanigans. For sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're having a, a wild night. Car, <laughs> um, and then at the end, you know, he does get into a fight with his wife. But I, I remember this image so distinctly of like he and his wife just embracing at the end, like really mm-hmm. coming back to each other. That is really sweet and really special and so complex that you can be so upset with somebody but still just like totally connected to them at the same time. Yeah, and I think, you know, deep down, they still love each other. They obviously have this history that's, you know, not exactly, you know, pitch perfect. But I think deep down, they've they've had, you know, almost at this point, 16, 17 years of marriage. They've raised these three kids and, uh, you know, they've gone through a lot together. So even though, you know, I, I think as most married people know and people that have been married for a while, sometimes you may have these thoughts and you may have, you know, like what if moments, but I think deep down that these two people really do care about each other. And, and I, and I, and I really wanted to show that, you know, that next morning scene after Travis has been this total, total dickhead this whole night to, to his real life and his real family, that he has to face this and he has to own up to, to what he's done. And so I really wanted to have that moment with, with him and Maggie the next morning. Do you uh, have any feelings of like a lost youth or wanting to recapture those wild teenage years? Uh, no, I don't think so because I was extremely wild. I, you know, I was definitely one of these guys that, you know, that that whole house party scene in the beginning that was based off of real life, where my parents would go away one week every summer, and my friends would all come to my house. We'd move all the furniture. Oh, oh my gosh! Out. We'd bring in a keg. We'd bring in a band. We'd charge a band. Yeah, we charge kids five bucks to get into to my house and have this party, and we did it every. <laughs> my parents never knew. I mean, they know now because I've told them. I was gonna say, should we air this? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, no, I've talked to them about it now, and you know, my mom, you know, I think she would ground me if she could. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we would, you know, so all all of that stuff is just stuff that I used to do. You know, I used to get into some some fun shenanigans like that. So I I don't necessarily have any regrets about, you know, oh, I wish I would have done this or that kind of thing, you know, but especially, you know, I, I definitely relate with Mac where, you know, I'm 37 and I'm single and I've, I've gone through some, you know, I think two adult relationships that haven't worked out and you start to think, oh man, did I miss out on having, you know, having kids and doing that whole thing? So, so that's kind of what, where my, uh, my regrets or what I, my what if moments are yeah. more towards that. Well, the Mac character in the script to, you know, the, the, the beginnings to the ends of each of these characters stay heartwarming. And Mac, of course, he he's rekindling with a sister in this story and kind of finding some of that homegrown love that maybe he's been missing. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, definitely what we're shooting for that, you know, he's like I said, he's always been this this lifelong bachelor. But now maybe he's getting a taste and there's there's the pathway towards happiness kind of developing, hopefully for him. Yeah. Do you have any homegrown flings that you miss? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say any homegrown <laughs> flings that I miss. There's definitely 
been, you know, been girls in my life, especially in the past that mean a lot to me. And I'm glad I had those experiences, you know, and they're, you know, they're now they're married and they have kids of their own and I'm, I'm very happy for them. Um, you know, but, uh, there's definitely times I look back and I think, you know, what if I would have stayed with this one person and what would my life be like today? And I think you can't help but think those things as you grow older. Yeah. When you're doing a script, especially about like friendship and youth and remembering past and whether there's a flashback involved or not, the music cues and that sort of thing are always really important for setting the tone. And this script has a lot of specific music cues in it going for sort of that flashback vibe without actually flashing back. Is that that I mean, you're obviously taking the time to pick out a specific song. So you have to put thought into that just as much as you do developing the character and what the next plot point is. Well, for sure. And, and I think anybody who knows me knows that music is extremely important in my life. And it always has been. And um, so whenever I'm writing a script, especially one like this, there's definitely songs that, that I think that these guys were listening to 17 years ago that I would, you know, in a dream world, I would love to have, you know, these music cues continue to play that kind of bring them back to whenever they were in high school. Yeah, because as a writer-director sort of doing both ends of it, you're aware that that makes things a little more complicated, if not just more expensive. Exactly. And, and, I, and I always try to write um, write this stuff in. Like, if I had the, the dream budget and I could go out and get in the song and whatever I wanted to do. I mean, in Wild Blue, our first film, there's there was a cue that I wrote in where one of the characters is singing uh, Tom Petty's Free Falling. As, as this girl he's traveling across the country with, she's trying to trying to take a pee on the side of the road and she's very um, kind of nervous and, and gun shy. So he starts singing the song <laughs> to help her relax. Yeah, sure. But uh, and, and we don't even use, didn't even use the music. It was just the character singing the song to himself. And, you know, we went out, we reached out in the beginning to Tom Petty's team. And I, I think the budget for us just to get permission for him to sing that song was more than our entire film budget. Yeah. You know? So sometimes, obviously, you just, it doesn't work out in the real world. But at least in the beginning, I try to write in. Yeah, that doesn't dis- like that doesn't dissuade you from putting it in there in the script anyway. No, no. And I even, um, as most of my actors I work with, they know that before we start filming, I put together what I call the fake soundtrack of the movie. And I have all the songs that I wish I could use mm-hmm. or songs that I was using to write, you know, these particular scenes. And and I, uh, I put them all together with the scene beats and I send to the actors so as they're preparing you know they can actually listen to the songs that I had in my mind as I was I was writing this and that's so special and super awesome because it really gives you like tone feeling yeah it can help an actor direct uh language a certain way or consider different emotions or intentions or motives that they might not have been thinking about yeah yeah exactly I think I think you know as you're you know you're reading this scene if you can hear kind of a song that I have in my head I think it helps you know, helps actors a lot to, to prepare for that. And I feel like music is, music's such an important part of a movie. And for me, it's a huge important part of my life. So I try to incorporate that as much as possible. So as we've been talking about this, you were like, oh, you know what? This wasn't based on anything. These three guys didn't actually get together on this night of debauchery. But then you started telling us things about these college parties and these <laughs> relationships that you know and i just have to ask if you have found yourself in any situations eerily similar to any of the ones in the script um yeah of course i I think everything that i write comes from a genuine place and like i said you know us three guys who wrote the script 
we never had this night together, but a lot of this stuff actually happens <laughs> one way or another with either people we know or I just like, love people who are so bad. <laughs> yeah. what, what's that? I just love it when people are so bad. <laughs> oh, me too. And, and I think as, as I've grown older, I kind of let myself get into these situations sometimes just because I'm curious. You know, there's definitely times that um, I've let people talk me into going some of these nights, not particularly, you know, exactly like this one, but there's been times that I've gone with it because I'm like, you know, what, why not? You know, and it always, I find that stories always come out of it. You know, sometimes there's moments I'm like, we may be going to jail tonight. and And so it can be a little scary at times, but you know, I try, to, I try to go with the flow a lot of times, and I try not to do as much stupid stuff as I used to, obviously, but uh, yeah. um, I think a lot of these things do come from a real place, and you know, it's, helped, it's helped fuel the script. So uh, as far as where this uh, script is going, this is in development right now? Yeah, it is. You know, you know, like every probably any other uh, writers and producers and independent films that you talk to, it's always about finding your funding and, and getting going from there. So that's that's mainly what we're doing. We would love to try to make this in Oklahoma. You know, since it's it's written and it's set there, um, I would love to try to make an Oklahoma film. So that's that's our goal right now. But well, and that kind of helps uh, with the, with the expense of it too, right? That seems like maybe a cheaper place to shoot than in definitely like a bigger city. Yeah, I think so. And I think Oklahoma has a lot of good. Uh, tax incentives right now so it definitely helps our cause and um you know we're trying to trying to get things going trying I to get things going from there i feel like you can't fake some of those settings though too. oh yeah you know like um I, i'm a texan and so i'm always super particular about movies where they're like this is set in texas and i'm like eh no yeah that's and then yeah. i'll look it up and it's like set in a desert in la or outside la you know so going to oklahoma and being able to work there there's just something Again, it's capsule about being in the actual place that these things are supposed to be, where they feel like what they're supposed to be feeling like, and actors yeah. and people respond to them the way that they're supposed to. That's very, very true. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the hardest part whenever you can't actually film is you have to fake it. And we're, you know, if we're actually filming Oklahoma, you, you don't have to fake it. You can right. shoot these long shots. You know, whereas with Life and Death, uh, half of the film took place in Oklahoma and half of it took place in Chicago. And we couldn't afford to, to, you know, do either one and you couldn't fake Chicago in Oklahoma. So we had to fake Oklahoma outside of Chicago. Wow. I think we did, we did a pretty good job of it, but there was some, every single time, you know, we shot anything outside, we were like constantly thinking, all right, how do we fake this and how do we fake that? So I would, I would love to be able to, to film this in Oklahoma and not have those those worries or those yeah those walls set up of trying to trying to fake it yeah that's cool yeah good luck on that thanks we need it <laughs> <laughs> um is there anything you can tell us about your current work and what you're currently working on <clears throat> well i mean i have i have several different uh scripts and different stages of development and uh it's, they're all like different sizes and they're with different production companies and stuff um you never really know whenever somebody else is producing your film, how it's going to, how it's going to work or how it's, you know, how it's going to be played out. But I'm hoping, you know, within the next year or two that we get one of these four that are out there made. Nice. So you got some irons in the fire. Definitely. Yeah. And you want to talk a little bit about your film festivals too? Oh, um, sure. I can definitely do that. I, um, I'm the creative director of the Twister Alley Film Festival in Oklahoma. And then the That's a cool uh, co-creator is the Windy City Film Festival. And I am the head programmer of the Gig Harbor Film Festival in Seattle. 
Oh, wow. That's a lot, man. It definitely keeps me busy. Um, I think I watch about 2,000 films a year. Um, so that's a lot of my free time wow. is taken up by that. But I, you know, I enjoy it. I love watching indie films and watching other people's projects. And it definitely, you know, helps me, you know, I watch these films and I come away from the film festival feeling creative myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoy the process. And listeners, um, as a filmmaker myself, I've been to all three of these film yeah. festivals this year because I'm lucky. And um, Josh saw my my movie early on. Texican. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Don't be afraid <laughs> to say it. Yeah. It's a yeah. wonderful, wonderful, beautiful film. And, Agreed. Uh, when I first saw it, I was, you know, ecstatic to be able to, to showcase it in, in my festival. So Which kudos, I, Allison. Thank you. I appreciate it. And these festivals are wonderful. I have only had a good time at all of them. So if you are interested in sharing your work with Josh, you can, you know, get on Film Freeway, look up each of these three festivals and submit. I'm sure he would love to watch your movie. Yeah, go for it. I think, um, you know, I approach running a festival from my days before where I was just a filmmaker. It's like, what would I like as a filmmaker if I show up to this to this festival? So Hopefully, you know, filmmakers, they come and they have a rewarding experience, whatever that may be. And I think that seems to be the case so far. I agree. Josh, how do people uh, get a hold of you if they want to, if they're interested in uh, reading more of your work or... Talking to you about your projects. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you can send me a general email if you want at uh, jrh at olive, like martini olive, oliveentertainment.com. Or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I think my handle is Film Stallion. So. Film Stallion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That's great. Okay. That's goofy. Well, and, we'll, and we will have uh, on, on scriptshopshow.com, we will have uh, contact information uh, for you that people can find it there. Since they're listening right now and they're thinking, oh, this Josh guy seems cool. I'd he like to know like more. He seems like a pretty good guy. Maybe I should look him up or something. <laughs> seems like he gets into a lot of shenanigans. So like that, that script, the, the, the film stallion handles, very intriguing. <laughs> Jack's turning red. <laughs> <laughs> You two better cut it out. I mean, listen, we've, there's clearly a connection here. I, it, it can't be fought, you can't fight it. Josh is a cool dude. He gets it. Josh, thank you very much for coming on the show, man. It's been a blast. This time went super quick. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, and I love the show, and I wish you guys the best. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. All right. Well, that was Josh. Josh was great. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. Nice to talk about his work, see what's going on and everything. So we mentioned the website, scriptshopshow.com. If you are interested in the different people that we've had on the show, like Josh and like uh, Corbin Salikin and like Sean, Sean Patrick, Patrick Leonard. Leonard. Yeah, uh, info, I love that we, everybody comes back up too. I know, that makes me really it's happy. It's really cool. Nice sense of continuity. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in any of those people, please check us out, scriptshopshow.com. We are also uh, Script Shop Show on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. We have things out there. Uh, for you to check out. You can read some other people's work and yeah. uh, the, and there's ways to connect with these writers that we've been having on. Right, and don't forget that you can send your script in as well. We are constantly always looking for great new stories and we can't get them unless you send them our way. So please go to scriptshopshow.com, send in your script and you'll probably get a response from me, I don't know, as quick as I can get to it. Yeah, yeah, because we're in demand. <laughs> so... I think that's it. Everybody, thanks a lot for listening. Until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West.
Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.